Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored uh, in loving memory of Raquel's mother, Ines Abed. Alea Shalom Lilun Nishmat Ines Bat Badie. Alea Shalom, sponsored by Raquel and Jacob Ini. As well, breakfast is sponsored and dedicated in loving memory of Mal Surur. Alea Shalom Lilun Nishmat Moshe Ben Polisa. Alea Shalom, sponsored by his son, uh, Teddy Surur. <coughs> Rabotai. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. Hakel et ha'am ha'anashim ve'hanashim ve'hataf. Gather the people, the men, the women, the children. Ve'gerecha asher b'sha'arecha. And the convert or the sojourner that is in your, uh, amongst your gates. And you bring them up to the Beit HaMikdash. And the Gemara says, <clears throat> tells us an interesting story. It tells us, Tanura banan. There was a story two rabbis They went to visit the great Rabbi Yoshua in his city of Pekin. He said to them, What chidush? What did they share today in the Beit Midrash? Something new that uh, you know I haven't heard yet. He, they said to him, What are you talking about, Rabbi? Tell me, we are your students. We drink from your water. We're not coming to tell you, Hidushim, uh, or to teach you. We're coming to learn from you. You're asking us to teach you. He said to him, and still, There's no such thing as a bet midrash without a Hidush. Very important. It's very important in learning to always have something new, uh, a different angle or a different slant on something. So a person remains interested and engaged. It's not the same thing rehashed a thousand times, you know, rewarmed, okay? <clears throat> so he asks them, Shabbat Shalmi Hayita. Who's this, whose week was it this week in the Beit Midrash that was speaking? And he says, Shabbat Shabbi Elazar ben Azariah. It was the Shabbat of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. He was the one who spoke. It was a tremendous Gaon. Ubama Hayita Hagadayom. What did he speak about? And they said he spoke about Parashat Hakel. The idea, the, the halakha, of the gathering in of all of the people, the men, the women, and children to the Beit HaMikdash, where over there the, there's a, they learn Torah, they do all sorts of things, but there's especially the reading of the, of the melech, of the, of the king, who reads over there, and, uh, and everyone sits and listens. It's a tremendous, uh, powerful event. Umad <clears throat> so what did, he, what did he expound over there? What did he say? Now listen carefully to Rabbi to this. This is what they told Rabbi Yoshua. They told him, Go gather in the men and the women and the children to this dirashah, to this uh, great uh, uh, occasion at the Beit HaMikdash. If the men are coming to learn and to argue in the Beit Midrash, the women are coming also to listen and to learn, to hear these dirashot from the king, from the great rabbanim of the day, etc., why are the children, the babies, why are the kids coming? And Rabbi, uh, and Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Azariah answered, In order to bring reward to the ones that bring them. That's the reason why the kids come, even though they can't listen, they don't understand, they're not the, all they're doing perhaps is maybe causing a disturbance, to bring reward to the ones that bring the children. That's the answer Rabbi Al-Azhar answer, Rabbi Al-Azhar said. 
Rabbi Yoshua turned to these two students and he said to them, Amar lahem, margalit tova There was a great diamond in your hands. Ubikashtem le'abdami meni. And you wanted me to lose it? You weren't going to tell me that great diamond that you had? Why did Rabbi Yoshua say this? So the Mifarshim explained that when Rabbi Yoshua was young, the Meshech Ochma and others say this, that Rabbi Yoshua was young, <clears throat> he, a certain rabbi, he saw this great rabbi Rabbi Yoshua and he said, <laughs> Who teaches wisdom? Why? I remember this great rabbi, his mother would bring him when he was a baby in a little crib to the synagogue. That his ears, his infant ears, should hear the words of Torah and he should learn. This child that was brought in his crib, his mother would sit outside with the baby in the crib every day in the Beit HaKnes and the Beit Midrash. Who did he turn out to become? He turned out to be the great Rabbi Yoshua. So Rabbi Yoshua says, this is the chidush Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Azariah said about bringing the child to the hakel and getting the reward of bringing them. How could you not have wanted to tell that to me? This is the Torah, like it says, Al-Titosh, Torah Mecha. Don't give up on the Torah of, the, of your mother. What was the Torah of the mother Rabbi Yoshua? The fact that she brought the child every single day to listen carefully so that one day those words would have penetrated his soul and he would become the great Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi I want to share an interesting perspective on this idea. To give reward to the people who come. Why do I need to say that? It's a very strange way of saying it. You know why the people who came to Hakel get rewarded? Because they came to Hakel. Because they came to study. I don't need that. person doesn't need to get reward by bringing the children. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a, a, a housekeeper. She's not Jewish. She has no mitzvah of learning Torah. For that person, you could say she could get sachar because she brought a child to learn in the child as a mitzvah. But for the mother and for the father, they get the reward because they themselves came. Which should say, maybe to give you more reward, reward to double your reward. That, that I can hear you say. Why would it say to give, to give you reward? I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense. I was getting reward already. The answer is a fascinating answer. The Pasuk says, Teach the Bnei Israel, Sima, place it Bifihem. What do those words mean? Sima Bifihem. If you teach someone something, imagine I teach you, repeat after me. In case of a fire, Stop, drop, and roll. That's it. I told you something. Right? You thought you didn't know you were going to learn something? Now you learn something. Case of fire, stop, drop, and roll. So how do they teach you in school? They say, repeat after me. Sima b'fiyeh means put it in their mouth. When you teach an adult something, how do you teach them? You teach them the concept. You don't need to make the guy repeat it after you. He's old enough, she's old enough to be able to inculcate the wisdom and then figure out. When do we use repetition as a method of teaching? Only when kids are very young. So why was Moshe saying this? Teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouth. There was once a man whose job was to be a fundraiser for a yeshiva. He, uh, he comes to, uh, what's it called? The, he comes at the time <coughs> to a great scholar 
And he says to him, the great scholar was Rev. Isser Zalman Meltzer. And he says to him, listen, I know I've been sitting here, you know, all this time. I wanted, what's it called? I've, I've been the fundraiser for the yeshiva, going around nonstop. I was just offered a position of a rabbi in some village. And I'm thinking about taking the job. Should I take the job or not? I'm sitting here as a fundraiser, he says. I'm sitting in the synagogue. All I can think about is the guy at the end of the row, in the end of my row, Machshiflus. I'm sitting there, I'm trying to focus on the Amidah, and I'm thinking, what should my opening line be to him? Uh, I'm thinking during the time when I'm supposed to be studying, what's going to be with the budget? You know, do I have enough money in the, in the pot to pay all the teachers? You know, comes time for Yom Kippur, I'm thinking instead of doing Teshuvah, of the, of the annual tzedakah drive. He says, Rabbi, you know, I'm busy all the time thinking about other things. What happened to my study of Torah? What happened to my prayers? What happened? All gone. I'm traveling all the time. <clears throat> Rav Issa Zalman said to him, you know, I had once a case like this. There was someone from the yeshiva who was the, he was a fundraiser for the yeshiva, a great scholar, but he took on this difficult and challenging job. He went to the Hafez Chaim with exactly the same question. Should I take this job or not? I don't have my prayers. I don't have my studying. I don't have all this stuff going on for me. What should I do? I think I want to take the job. The Hafez Chaim says, you want to do it? Azaku Baruch. It should be with Haslacha. Go for it. The guy says, that's it? He was expecting a whole... Shmooze, a question, an answer, this or that. He told him, go for it. All right. The guy walks, turns around, walks out of the Hafez Chaim. He's about to walk out the door. The Hafez Chaim says, Mechila, excuse me. He says, do you know how much a pair of shoes cost? The guy's a rabbi. He turns around to the Hafez Chaim. He says, uh, no, I don't, I don't know how much a pair of shoes cost. You know, I haven't bought a pair of shoes in a long time, rabbi. I'm a fundraiser. Right? He says, uh, still, I mean, you could probably give a hazard a guess. Guesstimate. The guy says, I don't know, I guess maybe uh, $50. You know, he doesn't know, he guesses. So the Hafez Chaim says, oh, thank you very much. Anyway, the guy turns around, he's about to leave again. The Hafez Chaim says, do you have any idea, like, if, if, if one was a shoemaker, you know, how much the raw materials cost, you know, to buy the leather and the, you know, for the top, for the sole, you know, the heel, the nails. Do you have any idea? Like, what would that cost? What are the expenses of the shoemaker? You know, and how much profit does he make when he sells the shoes? He says, Rabbi, I don't know what you want from my life. He goes, I have no idea. He goes, look, he goes, you're a smart guy. Maybe uh, we can work it out together. The guys, he's standing with the Gadol Ador, the greatest rabbi in the whole generation. He says, uh, okay, Rabbi, uh, you want me to guess? He says, I don't know, maybe a piece of leather. I can imagine maybe it cost uh, $20. You know, uh, maybe some nails is an extra, you know, $5. And then maybe the heel, I don't know, 4 They're figuring out. And he goes, oh, okay, so the profit margin between the shoe, the product of the shoe, and the production of the shoe, you know, so that's what he makes. The guy probably makes, uh, you think he makes $20 on the, on the outcome of the shoe. The guy says, uh, yeah, he goes, I think that's a fair assessment. I first came, I was thinking, guy turns around. To walk around. He's already expecting another question from the Hafez Chaim. Another way, one more of these insane questions. He says, but tell me, he goes, do you think the only way that one makes a shoe is like by a shoemaker? 
Is that the only way? The guy says, no, Rabbi, uh, today we have factories. They make lots of shoes. He goes, ah, ah, hazav baruch. The guy turns around again, mehila. He says, who do you think? Is it the same price? The factory and the shoemaker. He goes, no, Rabbi, the shoemaker is handmade. You know, it's more expensive, probably better quality. This guy's, so he says, what a dib the guy, this guy. And he says, excuse me? Hafez Chaim says, what a dib, the owner of the factory. He could make much more if he was just a shoemaker. What an idiot. The guy owns Nike. He could be a shoemaker instead. The guy says, Rabbi, I don't think you understand. It's true that the profit margin on a shoe is higher for the guy who makes a shoe by hand and the guy who makes Alan Edmonds, who owns Nike, who owns Cole Haan. That's true. But he has a factory. He makes a million pairs of shoes. So even if he makes $15 instead of 20 he's far out, you know, out to producing the guy with the shoes. He goes, but he's thinking, what's the rabbi? Ask me these questions. He goes, is that it, rabbi? Mehilai is asking with, you know, all due respect. He goes, I need to run. Are we done with the shoe questions? And the rabbi says, I'm done with the shoe questions. He turns around and I imagine, as he put his hand on the door, the rabbi said, I'm done with the shoe questions, Rohi, but I'm not done with you. He says, so the guy who owns a factory is not a dib for not being a shoemaker because he makes a million pairs of shoes. And he makes more, even if the shoes themselves are less profit on each individual shoe, but he can make far less shoes. He says, it's true, if you went and became the rabbi of this synagogue, of this place, you would have more time to study yourself, or to learn yourself, or to do mitzvot yourself. But if you're fundraising for a school that has a thousand students, each one of those students is going to study, and is going to learn, and is going to do all those mitzvot that you were going to do a little bit better, they're going to do also a little bit better. So maybe not as good as you as a great rabbi, but the investment that you make at the top of the pyramid pays far more dividends. That's what the pasuk means. It's talking to a talmid chacham, to someone who has what to teach. It's true that the talmid chacham could learn far more than if he was giving class every day. But Baruch Hashem, this class goes out every day to over a thousand people. So even if I was studying myself <laughs> and it was a little bit more than I could have communicated to you today, but times that by the volume. Rabotai, why do I share this? It goes back to the mitzvah early of Hakel. A guy's thinking to themselves, you know what? I want to sit in shul. Why should I bring my kid to shul? Disturb me. I'm not going to hear shofar. Why should I bother bringing my kid to Hakel? You know, I'm not going to be able to pay attention to the rabbi to the dirashah that is being given. You know, why should I do that? It doesn't make sense. It's, you know, I'll leave the kid at home. I'll be able to do more if I leave the kid at home. <coughs> the answer is obvious. When you listen to shofar, how many people hear shofar? One. How many kids do you have? A few. Even if you have one kid, it's still not 1v1. Because that kid's going to have kids. And they're going to have kids. And they're going to have kids. You didn't bring him to shul. You didn't make shofar valuable. You didn't show him that the class is important. What did the kid learn? He learned not to go to shul. So generations of children won't hear this. It's so important. I have people sometimes in synagogue, there's a little kid making noise, and they're like, shh, he, he, take the kid out. My heart breaks. You know, all the synagogues in the world are breaking their backs to get kids to come to shul. Here you have a kid who's in the shul already, and you're throwing him out. Calm down for a second. I remember once someone lost their mind over the fact that a guy brought his kids to shul Friday night in their pajamas in my dad's synagogue. 
lost his mind. What kind of kavod bet haknesset? I said, what kind of kavod bet haknesset? There's no greater kavod that these kids are ready to go to sleep, but he's keeping them up an extra few minutes so they can come and say shema with the community. Where's your brains? Thousands and thousands and thousands of children are going to be imbued because it's in this kid's blood from the time he's a child. We call it in the Gemara, Girsa di Yankuta. The, the learning, the, the rhythm, the lullaby of a child. They never forget that. Rabotai, sometimes I think we are short-sighted in the way we do mitzvot. And we all know, during this time of year, we're trying to tip the scales and add extra mitzvot. So you know what I say sometimes to people? Use the same head you use in business, in your office, use it here in the synagogue. You know why? If you can make one dollar on one guy, are you going to spend your time out on the sidewalk selling a hot dog? Nobody does that. You have to be crazy to do that. Everybody's trying to figure out how to best leverage their time. The person who comes towards Torah is also supposed to think of Torah like a business. I gave you a good business. Don't abandon my Torah. You know what Hashem is saying? I gave you a good business opportunity. Don't abandon my Torah. You know what's called abandoning the Torah? Even learning the Torah could also be called abandoning the Torah. Now some guys, they get old, they really should retire. They, they're punching it in, they're coming into work, but they're not doing any work. That guy, he's already abandoned his business, even if he's coming. You could have a guy who's studying, coming to the Beit HaKnesset, who's already checked out. Because if he was checked in, what would he be thinking? Everybody's always thinking about the hustle at work. How can I turn this dollar into five? How can I turn five dollars into ten? Put that head on for the mitzvah and ask yourself, I'm giving tzedakah, how can I maximize my tzedakah money? You know, there's a great man who passed away, his name was Rabbi, it was Mr. Zev Wolfson. This guy is going to come to Shammai with more Torah than any rabbi that ever lived. You know why? Because he leveraged every dollar of tzedakah he gave to make people more religious. All of their children and their grandchildren. He would try and track the progress. This business, this rabbi, he's collecting money for 10 years. He's got a great organization. But who thinks to look at the output? Who thinks to say, you have a yeshiva, Hazaku Baruch. But this yeshiva seems to put out five people. And that yeshiva is putting out 5,000 people. I'm going to give both of you $100? What am I, out of my mind? But a guy who's not taking the mitzvah seriously gives both guys $100 without thinking. You understand? A guy sitting there thinking how to carve up his time for Torah, for mitzvot, which class is he going to go to? You know, Because he goes to this class over here, it's a little bit closer to the house. If the other class is going to rock your boat more, go there, extra five minutes, true. But the five minutes more that it took you to do that, what happens? You got 100,000 times more out of the class. Some guys tell me, you know what, Rabbi, you know when I grow most of your classes? When I write the classes up after they're finished. I sit down and I take the bullet points of the class that you said, now I know I've got it. And I go, I review, this person told me, I review the whole week's classes, the points that you made. He says it takes me five minutes on Friday. Just the bullet points. I go over them without the embellishment, the story. I take the message home. I remind myself in two seconds, oh, the rabbi said a story about this. I just write, the guy who got hit by a train. It's enough. He says that five minutes 
it brings all of the 20 minutes each day, the 15 minutes each day, into sharp focus. Rabotai, get your heads on. Heads in the game. Stick it in their mouths. Bringing the kids to shul. Doing things sometimes that are counterintuitive, but ultimately pay a tremendous dividend on the time, on the effort, and the energy that we are putting in. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.